0: from Paul to the Christians in Philippi, chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. What the world is coming to, huh? I would imagine that on Sunday, the 7th of October, 1973, Pastor Losser stood here and said something about the war which erupted the day before between Israel and Egypt. Some of you might have even been here on that day. Claude, were you here then? Remember Pastor Losser mentioning anything about it? Probably, yeah. I know you don't have every one of his sermons memorized either, do you? Right. You know, I wonder what he might have said about it. What would our Lutheran preaching 50 years ago have brought to bear on that situation. The Arab-Israeli war fizzled out by January of 1974 and life went on. There hasn't been anything like it since until last week. I mean, Saddam Hussein lobbed a few Scud missiles into Jerusalem and Tel Aviv in 1991, but that was overshadowed by the larger war that was going on between the coalition and Iraq and also the fact that Israel showed restraint and didn't retaliate. But it's all different now. And there seems to be more anxiousness going on from what I see and hear on the news and among Christian circles even than what's going on, in, say, you know, between Russia and Ukraine. Because most of us know Israel and the Middle East is a geopolitical hotspot and there's religious prophecy connected to it. A prominent church in our area has a monthly prophecy update on their website. Monthly prophecy update. Where the pastor has this hour-long sit-down TED Talk kind of thing about what's going on in the world and its prophetic implications. Well, I tried listening to it. I couldn't get through 10 minutes of it. You know, I know some people are into that kind of thing They're into the end times and Israel fulfilling prophecy and all that. As for me, I stick with the historic Christian understanding that since the time Jesus went up into heaven, all wars and humanitarian crises and catastrophes are to be expected as we endure these end days. And based on patterns of how things go in this sin-filled world, unless Jesus returns beforehand... We can expect the fighting will eventually settle down. There there may not be true lasting peace, but the rockets and the bullets will eventually stop. The rubble will be scooped up, and the dead will be buried, and life will go on for the survivors. As it's happening, though, it is worrisome. Some of us know people in Israel. Some of us know someone who knows someone who lives there. And because of what we see and hear in the nightly news, whatever happens in Israel seems to have potential to flare up into a more global scope. So what might our verses today from Scripture bring to bear on this worrisome world? Well, to start, we've got these famous verses from Isaiah. A look into our eternal life on the new earth. It's comforting to know that death will be swallowed up, Forever. Matthew records Jesus teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. In this parable, he warns those who follow him to, be, to to be ready. Right when the end comes, be ready. You don't want to be the one who shows up to the banquet without the proper attire, or you'll be turned away. Now I know it's probably pretty rare in Portland, but have you ever been to a nice? Re- I mean, there's lots of nice restaurants in Portland. But have you ever been to a restaurant where they require you to, men anyways, to wear a jacket, and you don't have one? Have you, has, have you ever done that? Oh, come on, you've never had that happen to you? It's, it's a bit embarrassing. Sorry, you can't, you know, you have to wear a jacket. And if you're lucky, they might have a few leftovers hanging up in a closet where They'll give one to you to wear, but you feel like, you know, you feel foolish. Don't be one of those, right? Be ready when the end comes. Now, this reading from Isaiah and the one from Matthew, these are formative readings which the Spirit guides us and shapes us as we move forward to the goal of eternal life. But closer to home and right here and now, it's the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Christians in Philippi in which we're confronted by this call to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, is this really attainable right now? To not be anxious about anything? Was Paul in a war? Was he in a humanitarian crisis? He was in prison, one can imagine it wasn't a pleasant experience, and he probably thought he might die there. But he wasn't writing to comfort himself, he was writing to encourage and comfort others who might end up worse off than him one day, and many eventually were. What's Paul's secret then? How can he not be anxious about anything and encourage others to do the same? I mean, he wasn't superhuman or anything like that. What he had is what we have. The message of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh who came to us to forgive sins and swallow up death forever. He came to take the world from the clutches of sin and darkness and bring it back into everlasting righteousness and blessedness in and through himself. This message affects our actions. Well, that's the hope anyways. Even while we are still sinning daily, God has forgiven us, so we should forgive others. We should conduct ourselves with love and genuine concern for others. And perhaps this is why we're anxious about the world today. So many are dying right now, under attack, under the threat of attack, Starvation, no water, no shelter. What can we do way out here? Doesn't seem like we can do a whole lot. But firstly, remember that the Lord is at hand. He will one day end this world of strife and make it new again where there will be no more strife. Paul lived out his life affected by this message affected by the gospel of Jesus. He knew the people he was writing to were capable of being affected the same way. He encourages them and us to cast their cares upon the Lord. Why would they or we cast them on anyone else? When's the last time you wrote a letter to the president and cast your cares upon the president of the United States of America? Yeah, elementary school might be the last time you wrote a letter to the President of the United States. And you probably didn't write him to cast your cares upon him, but to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I live so-and-so, where, you know, hi. I mean, he doesn't have time to read your letter. If you're lucky, a junior staff member might open it and send you a form letter in return, if they even still do that. They do. Interesting to know. Can you cast your... Cares upon the governor or the mayor or the Arab leaders or the Israeli president and expect any assurance of hope, of peace, which would in turn give you peace? Bad chance. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Well, what can he do? Maybe it's not what he can do, but what he's already done. He died on the cross to redeem the war going on now, and all wars, past, present, and future. And we use that word a lot in church, redeem. Jesus is the Redeemer. Well, what does it mean? It means to compensate or pay for the faults or bad aspect of something. So Jesus paid for the faults of what people are doing, the bad aspects of people treating each other badly. It also means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Well, we know that, right? Jesus paid with his life to regain us and those who would believe in him as the redeemer, the savior of the world who forgives sins and has the power and authority to smash death forever and the devil. Having having Christ in your life is having all. That's what Paul means when he says, I can do all things through him, Christ Jesus my Lord, who strengthens me. It's not a a superhero kind of thing. I have, you know, I can be a superhero now. It means I can receive strength from Christ Jesus my Lord to not be anxious about anything, which seems like a tall order. But he goes on to say, neither the abundance of things nor the lack of them has moved me from that which is most important, Jesus Christ. When we have Christ, we have forgiveness of sin, we have joy for eternity, and have a certainty that he is caring for us now in whatever the circumstances. What Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi in this heartfelt letter, he also says to us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let all people know our restraint and self control, our reasonableness and gentleness. Have no anxiety about anything. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross to take away our sin. He rose from the tomb. He put faith into our hearts and keeps it there through the work of the Holy Spirit, and He is returning soon. I don't have the billion dollar solution as to how this message can be applied to the war? The situation requires prayer, that's for sure. True peace will only come when Jesus returns to cast every evil being, every evil person, and every evil thing into the lake of fire and destroy sin forever. In the meantime... Human diplomacy may bring a kind of peace. We'll pray for that, too. As we continue to watch and wait, though, this week to see what happens, we can have peace in and amongst ourselves from him who is our strength and our tower. So in that hope, may the God of peace be in and with you. Amen.